Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 55 Massachusetts Act to Establish Pay Equity Continued. My name is Thomas Rock Lindsay, and I am your small business buddy, instructor, and servant and I'm here to help you thrive in your role as an employer. This is where small business owners gain employer intelligence in around seven minutes every Tuesday and Thursday. In the last episode, we learned about Massachusetts Act to establish pay equity. We compared it to the long-standing Federal Equal Pay Act, and we saw how it broadens the scope, thereby qualifying more situations as discriminatory. Since we didn't have time to finish our review of the new law in the last episode, that's what we'll do today on this episode of Small Biz Brainiac. Let's rock this. Before we dive back into the Massachusetts law, I want to talk about an article that was published the day after the last episode of Small Biz Brainiac. It was published by the Foundation for Economic Education, or FEE, and it's an article written by Jeffrey Tucker, an author, speaker, founder of Liberty.me, director of content for FEE, and the list goes on, he wrote an article called What Real Feminists Meant by Equal Pay for Equal Work. I actually met Jeffrey Tucker a couple of weeks ago at the Freedom Fest conference in Las Vegas, and I thought it was fortuitous to see an article written by him on a topic that I had recently covered. In this article, Mr. Tucker points out that these equal pay laws are similar in nature to laws from the early 20th century that were based in eugenics and which feminists fought to have eliminated. Laws like this one that most every state had, which specifically limited when women could work, not before 6 a.m. and not after 10 p.m. In his article, he says that, quote, Feminists in those days were savvy. They saw exactly what was going on. They used the phrase equal pay for equal work to call for an end to these regulatory restrictions on women's work. It was a clarion call, not for government, but to allow the market to work. It was, let the market be permitted to pay women equal to men, because the law wouldn't allow it, end quote. The Women's Equal Opportunity League had this to say about these laws, quote, so-called welfare legislation is not asked for or wanted by real working women. These welfare bills are drafted by self-styled social uplifters, who assert that working women don't know enough to protect themselves, aided by a few women who once worked but who are now living off the labor movement. Are women people? Women are no longer the wards of the state, and a law that is unconstitutional for a man voter is equally unconstitutional for a woman voter, end quote. Now my argument is that the current laws, just as those ridiculous laws from the early 20th century, actually harm the very people that they're intended to help, such as the minimum wage laws. Now, getting back to the review of Massachusetts Act to Establish Pay Equity. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, number 54, then you should go back and listen to that one, either now or immediately after this one. The penalties for violating the law are that you'll pay the amount of the employee's unpaid wages, including benefits and other compensation, meaning the difference between what you were paying and what you should have paid, which is the amount you paid the similar position occupied by a man. 
you also have to pay that same amount in the form of liquidated damages. And you have to pay reasonable attorney's fees and the cost of the action. Now, any agreement between you and your employee to work for less than the wage to which they're entitled under the law is not a defense, and neither is your employee's previous wage or salary history. Now, you may be sued within three years of the last payment of wages, which were paid in violation of the law. Here are some other things that you can't do now as a result of this new law in Massachusetts. You can't prohibit or prevent your employees from asking about, talking about, or disclosing information about their wages and benefits or any other employee's wages or benefits. Now, shouldn't this be at least limited to the same department? I mean, is it okay for the warehouse supervisor to know how much your controller makes? Seriously. Now, you can't screen job applicants based on their current or previous wages, benefits, or salary. You can't ask them about any of this, and you can't make the interview contingent on providing this information or even before making the job offer. You can't ask their current or former employer to give you their salary history until after the job offer has been made, and that job offer has to include the compensation information. You can't fire, discipline, or retaliate against an employee who made a complaint or who is about to make a complaint or who has caused or is about to cause any proceeding to happen under the law or who testified or is about to testify or assist or participate in any investigation or proceeding under this law. You also can't fire, discipline, or retaliate against any employee who discloses their wages, benefits, or other compensation or who has inquired about or disclosed the wages of another employee. However, any employee such as an HR manager whose job requires access to other employees' information, they can't disclose that information without written consent from the employee. Now, in fairness to the Golden State, California has had equal pay laws on the books since 1949. And on October 6, 2015, California Governor Brown signed the California Fair Pay Act. The main differences between California's old law and the new one are that the new law eliminates the requirement that the jobs that are compared must be located in the same establishment. It also replaces a comparison of equal work with a comparison of substantially similar work, just like the Massachusetts law. It makes it more difficult for employers to justify unequal pay between men and women, it adds new express anti-retaliation protections for workers that assist employees with bringing claims under the Act, and it provides that the employer cannot prohibit workers from disclosing their wages, discussing the wages of others, or inquiring about others' wages, again, just like the Massachusetts law. Now, I read the California Fair Pay Act, and the Massachusetts law has actually one-upped them on several points, thereby establishing itself as the new gold standard. Now, to end this series, let me share with you what Diana Furchgott Roth, former chief economist of the U.S. Department of Labor, a director of Economics 21, and a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, has to say about the supposed pay gap. In a fee article published on August 4, 2016, she says the DOL data is wrong, that, quote, this statistic looks only at raw averages and does not take into account factors such as education, skills, and hours worked, end quote. She says that there's no gender wage gap to close, and that, quote, the BLS statistic is misleading because it averages earnings for all full-time women, 
no matter their education, profession, experience, or hours worked, and earnings for all full-time men. As such, it is not an apples-to-apples comparison, end quote. Even in President Obama's White House, women earn 84% of what men earn, according to published data analyzed by the American Enterprise Institute scholar Mark Perry. This tells me that any pay gap that exists is based on non-discriminatory factors, right? There's no way the White House has a pay gap that's discriminatory. Diana's article is the best I've ever read on the topic. Unfortunately, it hadn't been published when I did episode 52, otherwise I would have incorporated parts of it in that episode. I highly recommend you read her article. You'll find a link in the show notes. Well, there you have it. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.